0: Okay guys, usually we get right into the show, but I wanted to take just a moment to talk to you all. First of all, the show is now in its 16th year, very happy about that, and I want to thank you for being here. A number of you have said that you would like to support the show. Well, if you're interested, now you can. If you've ever gotten enjoyment or inspiration from the Paul Leslie Hour, you could become a patron. All you do is go to patreon.com slash the Paul Leslie Hour, and you're there. All right, let's get into the show. The Paul Leslie Hour. Helping people tell their stories. And now, your host, Paul Leslie. Hey, it's me. Ladies and gentlemen, we are joined by one of the distinguished pianists of our time, Jim Brickman is a musical force of creativity and inspiration. A hit songwriter, he also holds an interesting title, that of best-selling solo pianist of our time. Expression seems to be his forte, whether live performance, his recordings, or his syndicated radio program, The Jim Brickman Show, which you can also hear as a podcast, not to mention his books. So, it's great to say welcome to songwriter, performer, pianist, recording artist, and radio show host, Jim Brickman. Thank you so much for making the time to talk to us.
1: It's my pleasure. Nice to talk with you, Paul.
0: So, we had all these titles that we put on you, and no doubt, this is a very busy life, and I'm sure very exciting traveling around playing music. But what would you say people don't see about your life? (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, at the at the core, to me, the most important thing is having a, a point of view that is reflected in everything that I do. So, I I'm not really doing anything that is outside of the core of my mission, which is to connect with people emotionally, to take them on a journey, to to romance, to inspiration, to escape. To laugh, to gather, to have emotional and calm moments, and pretty much everything that I do reflects that. So though it sounds like a, a long resume, the radio show and the books and the concerts and everything, they all dovetail and they all reflect kind of the the center of of gravity, which is my music.
0: You just mentioned connecting with people emotionally. And one of the things that I did today, I listened to a lot of your music, but also anywhere I could, I looked for comments. And I have to say, I have not seen many artists where I saw more of an outpouring of personal things, what a song meant to them or their personal connection to it. And I'm just curious to know, is that something that you look at? Are you someone who maybe looks on a YouTube video for one of your music videos and see the different ways that you've connected with people?
1: I have over over time, but because I started the career before there was social media, most of what I'm used to is getting that one-on-one and listening to people's comments after the Live performance or in any sort of forum where it's face to face. And so, what you know, what you, yes, the the comments are amazing and kind and beautiful, but there's nothing better than having people take something that I serve up and taking it the way that I intended for it to be you know there's nothing worse than being misunderstood really like i'm intending to you know share a romantic piece with you and then your reaction is that doesn't feel very romantic so then you know you 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 want the, the best thing is to have people react in the way that you are sharing and understand that that's really what you're aiming to do
0: you were talking about connecting with people face-to-face. What is that like for you? I mean, you are, in some cases, shaking the hand of someone or saying hi to someone who they have hours and hours that they spend with you because they listen to you. So what's it like on your end when they come up to you and they tell you something like that?
1: It's it's very hard to accept because when when you... I think most performers would say that they have a hard time accepting compliments. And I think the reason is because we all, you know, this comes from me, at least. I can only speak for myself in a very, it comes very easily. I don't, I don't work hard at it. And I think sometimes when something comes as an artist or a singer or a painter or a dancer or any of those things, of course, you learn your craft. But when it comes naturally and I trust what I'm doing and and how it is goes through the air and (laughs) received to somebody else, it's hard to take the it's hard to take the compliment, even though I know, of course, they're being honest with me. But I think like like most performers or most people who share their gift or their talent with people, it's hard it's hard to accept. I'm, I'm so appreciative of it. And as you said, people spend hours and hours listening to me. And basically, that's like listening to my heart because I'm, that's where it comes from is deep inside. So it's almost like they know me. They've met me, but I haven't met them.
0: Hmm. Is there a mode of expression where you find yourself, it's the most exciting
1: uh, well, live performing to me is is my favorite part of what I do. I don't I don't particularly enjoy recording in the studio. Live performing is, you know, is the true test of whether you're whether you're affecting people with an immediate reaction to whether they like it or not. <laughs>
0: And what about the recording studio you said you don't particularly like
1: that? Why is that? It's because it because you're aiming for a non-existent perfection. There's no such thing as the ultimate take or the you know, it doesn't it's not quantifiable. Qualitative and objective. So it could never end because it's never, it's like cooking or, you know, how do you know when it's done when the recipe is complete? There's no such thing. It's, it's, it's whatever you make it. And so you have to learn to, to feel like you've, you've expressed it the, the way that you want it. You originally intended it for it to be. And for me, most of the time, the first take is the one that we end up using because it's the most organic.
0: Hmm. You're
1: thinking about it. You're thinking about it less. You're not fixing things. Like, you know, you're not, you haven't taken direction if there's a producer, you know, because once you play it first, then on the second take is usually when a producer, if you're working with one, you know, can you try it a little more, you know this way you know <laughs> or that way and so then right off the bat it becomes somewhat inorganic in a way that is more self-conscious
0: who are the pianists that you love
1: i i don't love pianists <laughs> i and I, the reason i say that the reason i say that is because for a couple reasons. First off, I really think of myself as a songwriter more than a pianist. I, I play the songs that I write on the piano, or I sing them. But I'm not a pianist like virtuoso. I'm a songwriter who plays those songs on the piano, and I'm a composer, which is a very a big distinction that I don't. That sometimes I don't think people understand that interpreting brahms beethoven jazz composer pop song composer interpreting work is a completely different thing than composing and playing your own music i mean i think that's a lot of the reason you see the comments that that you see is because i'm not playing covers i'm playing original Thoughts and, and ideas, so it's it's very authentic to what it how it started from the person who started it, as opposed to interpreting something that someone else did. So I don't I'm more of a fan of songwriters because I that's how I that's how my song how my pieces are structured. There a lot of times they're even on the instrumental piano. Their verse chorus or their verse verse chorus bridge or they're, you know. Verse, you know, pre chorus, chorus. I mean, they're very, they're not intentionally structured. It's just that I'm, that's how I write because now I'm, I know inherently how to write a pop song. So um, it's a big distinction. And that's why I'm, I'm more of a fan of, you know, what I grew up with, uh, 70s, uh, Carole King, Simon and Garfunkel, Beatles. Uh, Joni Mitchell, um, James Taylor, uh, Fleetwood Mac, The Eagles, Linda Ronstadt. These are all a lot of my influences. And I'm also a big fan of great singers. So though I am a pianist, of course, that's what I do. as I started out doing mostly what I do. But because of all the songs that I've written that feature great singers on my albums, um, I'm really a songwriter. Speaking
0: of these great artists that have worked with you, what is that like when you have someone like Johnny Mathis and you get to go into a recording studio with I mean, arguably one of the best singers that has ever been? <laughs> is that at all intimidating?
1: It it it's surreal is what it is. It's it's more surreal than it is intimidating. I don't know why. I think it's, you just can't believe it's happening to you Um, because when you meet the people that you admire or that, that you grew up admiring, you know, in my case, this has happened so often. And I just, I'm still, I still don't completely, it doesn't completely uh, compute. But what I've noticed happens is at very first, There's that moment, you know, when you meet just as human beings (laughs) and then, you know, it's intimidating. But then when you start to work with the person, then it becomes you're both working together. So it's not for some reason, I don't find that they're judgmental, especially if they're singing one of my songs, because then they've already heard the song. They've already they already want to sing it in advance before i i meet them most of the time so there's sort of a standard that's already been vetted <laughs> you know that i i know that they that they think there's quality there and i and i hope that by reputation they've asked their friends or what's it like to work with him or you know the same thing what i also notice is that they you know they're we're all the same you know in the sense i mean artistically i mean in the sense that, you know, Johnny Mathis is is singing the song, and he'll say after the take, you know, how was that? Did you know? Did you like that? And I'm like, you're asking me, you know. But <laughs> same with Kenny Rogers was like that, and and Carly Simon was like that, and I a Newton John like that because they're like like all artists, they're they want to be liked. They want to to you know, they want their The take to be, I mean, they know that it's going to be on recording forever, too. So, and, you know, it's a vulnerability to put yourself out there, no matter how big a star you are. uh, But it's still intimidating (laughs) to me.
0: (laughs) I noticed a lot of connections with you and country music. Not only great singers from country who have recorded your songs or worked with you. But also, you know, I was listening to your Dolly Parton interview. I listened to the Trisha Yearwood interview that you did. I'd be curious to know, what does Jim Brickman think of country music?
1: Well, in all music, and this goes for every genre, I've always taken the approach that music is music. You know, um, like Martina McBride, let's say, is not a country singer. She's a singer singer who chooses repertoire that is in a country category, let's say. You know, so if you listen back to, to like, Linda Ronstadt, who is one of my favorite singers of all time, you know, that stuff, in retrospect, sounds so country, a lot of it. The Eagles sound so country, you know, and, and based on what we categorize as that. And yet, at the time, it wasn't so... To me, it's, it's about the singer and their ability to tell a story. It's not so much the genre. And because I'm a storytelling songwriter, you don't find as many great singers who tell a story in, in pop music. You find, and they're also not accessible to me. Like at the very beginning, the only people that'd be interested in singing one of my songs at the very beginning were Country singers, because or Christian or jazz or something, because most of the great pop singers, at least at that time, were like Whitney Houston, Mariah Carey, or you know, the, and and they're not going to sing some like first album solo piano player song. So it was a kind of, a, I would say means to an end <laughs> it accomplished all the things that i was looking for a great singer to sing a song of mine and and a genre that didn't know me so i could get exposed to another category of music but to me in the end it's all music just music
0: i was listening to that song never alone and i'm curious to know what was it about that one that pulled you in
1: well, you know, I had worked with one of my songwriter, co-writers, Victoria Shaw, had, had uh, discovered this group, Lady Antebellum. And she took, before they were signed, she took me to, to see a showcase. And they had been singing some of my demos. You know, when you write a, a song to sell it to someone else like Trisha Yearwood, they, they would sing it in their you know, early days. And so Victoria said, Well, why don't they sing Never Alone? It'll be a good way for them to start to get known and and uh featured on one of my albums. And and that was sort of the you know first time that they had a song that played on the radio and it introduced them to the audience but also the industry. And um it's just a special song. And in with regard to what I was saying before, they're an example of to me they're Fleetwood Mac. You know, so yeah, they they got their start in country and they crossed, but basically they're they it's a pop group. It's just that the a lot of the when you enter the music business, it's easier to enter through the country door than it is the pop door because there's so many more opportunities in country. There's more artists, there's more radio stations, there's more festivals, there's more live gigs than in pop music. So it's a more accessible way to to begin a career.
0: What's the approach that you take when you interpret one of the songs that we call the standards? I was listening to your version of Over the Rainbow, an absolutely breathtaking version of it. What kind of method do you use to interpret a song like that?
1: Well, like I said, for the first, you know, 13, 14 albums of mine, I didn't do any covers and I only started doing them after people knew my style and could recognize that, you know, I had a distinctive style that sounded different. But the key to me of those songs is not reading it from the sheet music. It's finding it under your fingers by ear because a lot of times that's where you find the really good substitute chords and then you're free to interpret in your, you know, inside as opposed to having, you know, once you're, when your eyes are connected to sheet music, then it's just uh, mechanics that take over oh, that's an E chord. That's what I'll play as opposed to maybe thinking that it's a different chord, even though it originally wasn't, but playing it and having it sound really pretty. And and so I try my best to feel my way around what I know of a song like that, either listen to a recording and and then just turn it off and then try to feel around it. Because as a composer, you can add little things here and there that you know, that make it sound like my style. There's also one of the most important things about interpreting any song or, or writing is that the silence is equally as important as the sounds. There have to be moments of breath and silence in phrasing in order for people to really connect, in my view, because if you don't get, give people a chance to take it in during a little bit of a silence, then it just becomes noise, not music. So, you know, dynamics make a huge difference.
0: Hmm. Do you have any dream collaborations in terms of writing, recording, any of that?
1: I do. You know, I. I you said I had Dolly Parton on the on the phone, and you know, she she would be one of my dreams as a singer I would say and this just happened to me which is I'm still kind of in shock from but I had always wanted to write with Burt Bacharach and um, I, I recently met him by by phone and email I was I was connected with him and It was just, I'm still in, you know, when he left me a voicemail and I, and I thought, how do you keep a voicemail forever? Because I I don't (laughs) even care if I ever write with him. He just left me a voice message. That's all I care about. I can play it for people where he says, hi, Jim, it's Burt Becker. (laughs) But that I, I'm waiting for the, for the chance to, to do that. He's, you know, he's in his early nineties. And so I'm hoping that I will have the chance to do that. He still tours. Yeah, which is amazing, and um, so that would be that would be up there, and I you know it would be amazing to have somebody like Barbara Streisand sing one of my songs, you know these are these are not if I really really pushed and worked really hard at it, it probably could happen, but sometimes sometimes you don't want to do that. Sometimes it's better to just leave it alone. You know, sometimes you. <laughs> It's like you have to be careful what you wish for, but not not necessarily because the personality or something, but because it has to be the right song. It's it's not it's not right to just do it to do it. Like oh, I I did a duet with Dolly Parton. Oh, what do- song did you do? We did Silent Night or something. It's it's sort of like yes, that's nice, and it would be in my interpretation, but it I'm not sure what it does for anybody mm. other than ego for me, you know.
0: Hmm. Wow. Very interesting. And wow, how cool about Bert Bacharach.
1: Yeah. <laughs> That's I, awesome. I, I just or or just the idea that he knew who I was, that was shocking also. But you know, when those moments those moments come along, you know, they remind you of of what you've worked hard for. They remind you of it's a it's a uh, validation of the, the work that you do and the the time and and heart and passion that you put in to it when people not only people who come to the concerts and fans react but also industry people who you respect
0: i want all the listeners out there to go to jimbrickman.com jimbrickman.com so for all the listeners what is on the horizon? What's coming up with Jim Brickman?
1: Well, I, you know, one of the things that I I'm fascinated with is is the different styles of music that I haven't ventured into but in my with my approach. So, I just finished working on a bossa nova album that I and I don't know anything about Brazilian music, but I love to listen to some of Sergio Mendez or some of Herb Alpert's things. And so I, I listened to a lot of it, but I've never written that way. And so I just played the way that I felt like Bossa Nova, what I thought it sounded like rather than again, imitate. But so I'm, I'm working on that. I have a real desire to take my live show and, and, turn it into a Broadway type of experience. That's more of a, that has more of a, an arc that is, uh, that has moments, you know, my show, but, but with like my concert now, but a more theatrical version of that. So I'm working, I'm working on that and my advocacy for young people and young songwriters. I'm starting, I have, I have one foundation with my, my, uh, alma mater, Cleveland Institute of Music, but I'm, I'm working on a, uh, a new opportunity to support young musicians and songwriters and advocate you know, my knowledge. I, I think it's really important to, to give that to people who are in pursuit of what I have done in my life. I think it's, um, it's a special thing to, to be able to encourage and enlighten people who want to do that. If they're interested, sometimes they're not. Sometimes uh, these days, sometimes it's more like, you know, yeah, we, we know what to do. We don't, we don't need (laughs) to tell us, but you know, not everybody's like that, of course, but you know, it's kind of funny when it is, but so I'm working on that. And then we're about to head out on our holiday tour. So this is the uh, 23rd year of my holiday concert tour. And one of my favorite times of year to be able to, perform and and it's a very joyful thing every single night because people are in a great mood they want to hear music it's a gathering it's a community it's celebration it's escape
0: wonderful my last question I put all these labels on you songwriter pianist performer recording artist how would you define Jim Brickman
1: well I would I always start with songwriter because it it encompasses so much of really what what I do I'm 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 a I create music so I write songs I perform those songs but at the essence it's about sharing 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 music that is something people can use however they feel like they want to as a, as a soundtrack of life, a background to intimate moments, a background to celebration moments, to, you know, tender moments, sad moments, happy ones, you know, music is a great, gives us a great ability to, to daydream, to go inward. It's permission to when you don't have quiet and you have a hard time being in quiet to let your mind wander. A lot of times music is a way to take you on a, you know, an internal journey, a soul searching journey a lot of times. And I don't mean metaphysically. I just mean <laughs> that it, you know, it's, uh, it gives you a boost and a little support when you're, when, uh, you want to give a emotional backdrop to something happening in your, your life. If it's the right kind of music, of course.
0: (laughs) Absolutely. Well, Jim Brickman, time is such a valuable thing. I thank you so much for spending some time with us.
1: It's my pleasure. Thank you.
0: My pleasure. Jimbrickman.com. Thank you again. Until next time. Hey, before you go, if you've ever gotten enjoyment or inspiration from one of my interviews, maybe this one. Consider being a supporter on Patreon. All you have to do is go to patreon.com slash the Paul Leslie Hour. All right, folks. Thanks so much
1: back Goodbye.